Charlie Gladstone here and welcome to episode 19 of my Mavericks podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining me. Welcome or welcome back if you've been here before. I'm really enjoying all this. I hope that you are too and I'm really grateful to you all for listening to it and making so many nice comments. Today's conversation is with the Australian restaurateur, author and TV personality Bill Granger. Bill's been referred to as the Australian Jamie Oliver, which I think gives you a sense of what he does and also a sense of the high esteem in which he's held. Bill has 18 restaurants, several in Japan, several in Australia, four here in London, two in South Korea, I think that's right, and one in Hawaii. In 25 years, he has never closed a restaurant, which is remarkable, I suspect, probably almost unique in his industry and a huge testimony to his success and to his ability. Just, it appears to get things right. If you ever drive past his Notting Hill or his Chelsea restaurants, as I fairly often do, you will almost always, and particularly at the weekend, see a queue. And at the weekends, a really massive queue. Absolutely amazing. What Bill does so well, and with enormous energy, is simple, really unpretentious food in what I suspect are deceptively simple environments. They're beautifully designed, but they're quite low-key, like his food, and I think it's that comfort that draws people in. Bill's also published eight cookery books. He has been, or was for a time, the Independent on Sundays food editor, and he's also done a number of TV series, including, I think, a couple for the BBC. So he's a busy man, and he's always jet-setting off. I think as I record this a few days after we met, he is on a plane to Japan and then Korea and then Australia, or goodness knows what, but he's always on the move, but he always seems to go about his business with a sort of joy and a real panache and, of course, amazing charisma. I'm very grateful to Bill for agreeing to speak to me. I went to his cavernous, relatively new restaurant in Pavilion Road in Chelsea to meet with him in October. We went down into the basement and sat in his office and had what I think was a wonderful chat, and I hope that you enjoy it too. So here, without any further ado, is Bill Granger. So you started at 22 and you wanted to open a little corner shop, mm. but you're, I, I, know, I know that you're a very creative person. I mean, was it always going to be food or could it have been something oh, else? Well, I went to, when I was at school, I always knew my favourite subjects were art and English. That's what I loved. Mm. I was never, you know, wildly um, great at maths. I was all right at it. I, I think I almost failed my um, A-level accounting course. Right, okay. But So I was definitely, so I went to architecture school, design school, but I found that too structured for me. So then I swapped into fine art, painting and sculpture. And that was amazing. I loved it. I loved the, the freedom and the fact that you were just given time to develop ideas. Mm. And that's what I found quite exciting, but I didn't finish it. Right. I got caught up um, along the way working in a restaurant and earning money and, yeah, just being, you know, a young person in my early 20s with independence. So restaurants are one of the toughest mm. businesses that you can do, certainly in the kind of service economy, but they seem to have a magic and a pull to them. What, what was it about the restaurant? What were you doing in the restaurant? Were you sh all, chefing or? No, I was waiting tables. Okay. And then I started cooking. The owner of the little cafe I was working, I started, cooked her for dinner for her. 
And she said, oh, look, I don't open my cafe at night. You know, why don't you rent it at night and do a little pop-up? So I basically did a pop-up four nights a week in her cafe. And that was the start of it, my cook, the cooking side of it. But I think restaurants are one of those funny businesses that everyone can understand what you're doing. I think the pull of them is that you, you, anyone knows how to cook a meal or serve food. It's not like making a microscope where it's highly skilled things that people can't even imagine doing it. With restaurants, all of us can imagine how yes. we could actually do it. And it's quite a simple business in a way. It's highly complex, but the independent parts are all quite simple. But every, it strikes me that everyone who works in restaurants it, on any capacity kind of almost does it out of love because mm. there must be easier ways to, to make a living. Absolutely. I mean, the restaurant business is notoriously difficult to make a margin. I mean, there's so many um, variables, you mm. know, not least the fact that you've opened, you've spent all the money and then you open your doors and hope people come in to cover yes. your cost. You know, you can't, um, you know, you can't get orders, you can't get pre-sales. You can't build it up as you go along. No. So, so, you, so you opened this pop-up and, mm. and it worked, obviously. It worked. And I think someone once told me, if you know your first hundred customers, you've got a business. And I thought that was a really great comment. You can build a business from a hundred customers. And I think that gave me a clientele. I had a little following. It used to come those four nights a week, friends from art school, older customers of the cafe I went to came in to support me because I knew them as a waiter. And it was the same people every week. And I think that taught me about looking after customers and knowing people yes. and treating everyone as a regular. There's that, there's that very um, significant essay called the, the Value of a Thousand True Fans, which right. suggests that any pop group mm. or, or business just needs 1,000 people. So it, yours is obviously on a smaller scale, yeah. but it was the same philosophy. So, and then... When, when was it that you started to do books and TV? Was that when you had one restaurant? Or? Yes, well, I no, I had at that stage two. It was in 99, and 90, yeah, 99. So seven years later, I'd had two, I'd opened a second one by then, um, which was hard. Opening a second restaurant was quite a difficult mm. learning from when you're in one place all the time, then you've got to be stretched. It was very, very hard. But then I was asked to do a book in 99, I think it was about the time Sydney was going to get the Olympics and there was lots of attention on Sydney and people were thinking and they wanted to do, my publisher wanted to do a book that was on Sydney food and they, um, there was an English chap that had worked in the publisher who used to be the editor of a magazine here called Food Illustrated, which um, was an influential, yeah, mm. I remember magazine that. and then Waitrose yes. ended up buying it. Yeah. And he said, you should do, they'd done a story on me in the UK, and he said, this is the person you should get. He really represents what Sydney is. And so I was asked to do a book, and that's how the book started. And so, and then did the empire grow pretty quickly? Yeah, the media side of the business, we'd always got a lot of press in for the first two restaurants, just internally in Sydney, and you mm. know, just new restaurants open. We'd always been really lucky with that support. I know when we first opened, I think three months later, Later, we got a big page in Vogue in Australia, which was, you know, incredible. And, but that media side of things, the books took it to a different level that so many more people knew about what we were doing and would come and visit when they were in Sydney, they'd come to the restaurant. So it changed it. Yes, okay, yeah. And then, and then you, you, was your third restaurant in Sydney or was it in? Third restaurant was in Sydney, yes. In Sydney, yeah. and then, but, so when did you start to open in Japan? You now, you're about to open your, Eighth restaurant in Japan. Eighth so, restaurant, yeah. yes, in Osaka. Well, I started in Japan. It's been 11 years now I've been working in Japan. So, yeah, sort of mid-2000s. I've already done the media. I've done a couple of TV shows. And that was all going well. I had three restaurants in Sydney. And I was introduced from a friend of mine, Tyler Brulé, who has Monocle magazine and it had wallpaper 
magazine before that. My first food writing job was actually for wallpaper. Um, I think in, yeah, 98, he'd asked me to do my first one, which was very exciting. And then, he's a great, he's a, he's a terrific sort of spotter and champion of yeah, talent. Yeah, he's a he? real champion. He's very, very generous of finding people that he likes people are doing and just promoting it. And mm. he's very, yeah, he's incredibly generous. Mm. And he was working in Japan, doing some work in Japan, and he'd been taken on by someone who wanted to do, um, bring a chef onto their tables to help promote and then maybe do, you know, a cooking line or that kind of idea. So I got introduced to my partner there and it was great. We just really got on and I'd lived in Japan when I was 19 for four months and loved it. Was totally obsessed. I mean, if anyone that's been to Japan, if you're a creative person, you just get obsessed by it. Just the care on visuals, the people are so oh, lovely. Oh, absolutely. It yeah. is just mind blowing. You yes. just, it's like out of space. It's like future out of space. It yeah. Great, it's but amazing. With, with, with a real sort of value of on tradition and heritage as well. Oh. So it's such a weird combination. Absolutely, it's incredibly modern, incredibly traditional, and you know, setting it, it's just amazing. And just the care on the excitement on visual things is just so stimulating. And the food, of course, is you know the best. Oh, I think is the best in the world. So when he mentioned, oh, I've got some you know Japanese friends, I'd love you to meet them, and we didn't. We just got on so well, and I was obsessed with Japan. So the chance to even go to Japan and meet these people was just like wow. The so idea was, of working was it here. A, was it an emotional decision? Absolutely, more than, oh, more than totally a financial emotional. one. Yeah, there was no financial thing for years at all. I mean, I used to go up there and we did pop ups. I remember. You know, trying to make pavlovas in a pizza oven. We took over a little cafe and they had a pizza oven, not a normal oven, and was trying to make pavlovas in there and do pancakes and running around Tokyo buying all their ricotta for ricotta hotcakes. And, but I just loved it. I was just so inspired by it. And at that stage, I think I was looking for a new adventure. I'd done the few restaurants in Sydney. The books were very creative. I created those, the TV show we produced, so it was all quite creative. So I was really into a new creative expression and opening in Japan really fueled that hunger to do something new. And, and now you've got a couple of restaurants in South Korea, yes. four here in London, one in Hawaii. Mm. Do you not feel the fear at any point when you're... I do, I think I, the great thing about opening young was you have no fear. I think when I was 22, 23, you really don't have a lot of fear what can go no. wrong. I know in Sydney when I opened the sec second, I started to get a bit more fear, and the third, you do get much fearful. I think I've got to the point now where I'm not as scared. I still worry mm. about it all. It feels never, I think anyone who's in business, you always feel like it's a... Well, you it's, don't, it's interesting you say that because you don't seem like someone who has ever had to face things not working, which is incredibly unusual. Mm, oh, you do with restaurants. You've always got, it's constantly, I think with the restaurant business is a constant solving of problems. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but you haven't had any kind of disastrous openings that you've had to close down or No, anything, no, I've never closed a restaurant. Very unusual. Yeah, it is very unusual. Yeah, so I've just made them work. I mean, the second restaurant was hard. It took a long time to make that work. Mm. And, but I've just kept at it. And I probably set it up in a way where I didn't overborrow money. I've never had investment, so I wasn't highly leveraged. Mm. I've done it very organically. So you didn't have to. You didn't have to panic. If panic was... and get rid of something just to yeah. pay a debt back or something. So it's all been yeah. very gently, mm. yeah, self-funded. Yes. So I've, I've never put myself under that pressure. Uh, but but you do you do. I mean that is it's a very unusual global empire to mm. have, and I wonder how you actually physically cope with keeping an eye on things in these. I mean, these aren't small distances, not like no. Paris, Berlin, and London. No. I mean, how do you cope with that? I think it's a lot of it's trust, having a lot of people you work with, and you get, I think the longer you're in business, the more you 
rely on people and you have to trust your instinct with people. I know everything, you know, we serve a lot of, I, mean, I don't know how many in total meals, we're serving, you know, probably 20,000, we more now actually, 25,000 people a week. And it's just a incredible. lot, it's absolutely incredible. No, probably more actually, when I think about it. Well, when I, yes, yeah. when I see the queues outside some of your <laughs> restaurants, I imagine that some of them, yeah, it's the thing, and it's always hard because you've always got to accept that out of all of those people, someone's not going to get the same experience as if I was there serving, cooking their meal and serving it to them. Mm. You let go and you trust that a lot of people can do things a lot better. And it's a matter of putting the team, the combination to people together. Have you always to, been to good at that, trusting people? No, I've got better as I've got older. I was more impatient about people's... Um, Weaknesses, I suppose, and we all have them. You know, we all have, you know, absolutely, including myself in that as well. That we can't do everything as well, but you've got to be. I think I've got gentler with people, but also stronger. What, a trusting them or trusting, and also them? being more confident in what I know yes. is right. And if someone's not right, they shouldn't be doing it. So I think it's building relationships very slowly. So in the business, most of the staff, the key people, are very long term. Yes. The Japanese business, it's the people we've started with that have grown and become the operations manager who have become the executive chef. And you also work with designers in Australia who, who do all of your restaurants. All the restaurants. The There's world. a lot of trust there. I speak to them every day because the restaurant business, you're providing an experience. So that interior, and I'm also interested because I did architecture. I've got a passion for it. Mm. Um, yeah, you've got to build those relationships and see if you can second guess. Do, do you, so time. obviously, you know, some of your restaurants are more successful than others. Mm. And... and um, I referred to the queues. I mean, the queues outside your one in Notting Hill yeah. are quite something to behold. I mean, you know, unique and amazing. <laughs> right. What What is it about your brand, do you think? I mean, what is your brand and, and why do people read it so clearly? Because in order to get this massive chain around the world going so well, I imagine mm. that you have to have a very clear, or you have to create something that is very understandable or very mm. readable. What is it, do you think, with you that I've... you've got right? I don't know. I've always just done what I like. And I think because of my background, I didn't come from um, a restaurant background. I came from, or a family that liked food. So the food I like is quite simple. It's comfort food, which I think has what has broad appeal around the, around the world. I mean, inspired by food around the world. So I think lots of people from different cultures can recognise flavours in there that are familiar to them. Um, I just do what I like to do, and I don't really think it is a brand. I've always, I well, always know what you know with the design. You know, I'll say that's not right because I know that's not right for the customer. Mm. If I'm pushing it somewhere, or if a dish, you know, we're developing a dish, I'll know what's right. I always have a definite idea of what's right. So, so you genuinely don't, you you, you don't have to kind of endlessly remind yourself to go back on piste, as it were, back to no. what is Bill Granger. You just follow what you think I is right. I just follow what is right, and it changes. You know, when I first did Notting Hill, the restaurant's much more sophisticated, the look of it, than the original ones in Sydney. And it was about me responding to being a bit older, to being in London, you know, with a new Chelsea restaurant. Again, it was the same, but then I'm doing a, working on another one um, in Osaka, which is much younger and more casual, because I'm taking myself back to being a bit more playful yes. as well. So, yeah, so but, it, it but does what, change. Do you think that every single one of your guests I mean, not every single one, yeah. but do the majority know Bill Granger, the, the person no, they read No, I don't think. Books? I think they would have when I was doing all of the books in the media. Mm. Um, but people's memory are very short. With and you don't do it. books anymore? No, I, I might do another one, but TV, I pulled right out of it. I found it was hard. and It was just a time pressure. Yes. I couldn't do it. I really wanted to find, I mean, I'm a restaurateur. That's what I love. Yes. And 
It was a fun little interlude. Doing a bit of TV. But also it's presumably pretty useful in terms of getting your restaurants into the public health. Oh, it was fantastic. But now I'm enjoying just doing them, being successful for what they are. The restaurants are standing on their own. Yes. And it also makes the message for our customers a bit clearer. The trouble is if you're doing books and TV, the restaurants can often lose... They're not appealing to a certain sort of customer, which is a customer that I probably am and like. Yes. So you've got to be careful about that. So as your well. idea now is really just to focus on one thing, which yeah, is the and doing a good, very, yeah, very doing well. a good job with the restaurants, and not, and they've got to feel they're all. I look at them as all independent restaurants. You know, when you say there's, you know, eighteen now, it does feel like they're all. I don't even know. Usually, I can't think of how many we have, but I can nail, I can name everyone. Yeah. Because they all have their own personality, and they all. Yeah, sitting in their neighbourhood quite... No two are the same, are they? No, 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 no. The menus are really similar. Yes. But no, they're all different because I just couldn't repeat the same. I'd be bored. You know, every new restaurant's a great opportunity to express myself again. I think it's it's a standard um, element of a creative oh, person, isn't it? Getting you want to move on. Yeah, just move on. And, you know, the hard thing is not to throw the, you know, the baby out with the bathwater and think, okay, we can't get rid of that because it's, yes. um, it's actually working. And then also I remember you saying to me once that once you've designed a restaurant, mm. it's very important not to change it yes. physically, which I thought was interesting. Because I love changing environments. At home, the kids laugh. I'm always moving things around and moving furniture. And I actually read that um, um, Andre um, Bellagio was exactly the same. He loves moving the house around. It drives the kids crazy. And I'm the same. And I, when I only had two restaurants, I constantly adjusted the second one or did bits and pieces to it. But I realised customers don't like change. They want things the way they are, and I think if you work carefully on making something right at the start, you shouldn't have to change it. And is the key then to being a successful restaurateur having regular It's all regular. It, yes, yeah. absolutely. That's, I, that's how you make it yeah, work. Yeah, that's how our business is, mainly regulars. For the, you know, our team, I always talk about, it's your regular customer, and you get someone in, if they're in the second time, they're a regular. Mm. Because that's, they're the people that are your bread and butter. I mean, some tourists, you know, tourists, or people traveling, are great, because they bring a, um, I don't know, a slight, you know, it adds another layer of fun and different yes. energy to it. You know, you don't want it all like a club, but I love it. You know, when I'm, you know, Notting Hill's my local restaurant or Bondi in Sydney and I go there and you see the same faces in the morning and it's lovely to yes. go there. I nod at everyone and say hi and yeah, yeah that makes it fun. So they're the, they're the ones that... They're the ones that build a business. Yeah. And they're the yeah. ones that make it fun. But they always say that in the pubs, team. but I, I, I suppose in British restaurants, I'd never thought that. I mean, I could, in my imagination, I can see that happening in Italy or France. Yeah. But I think it happens here. You, know, you think of the great restaurateurs here, you know, like the, um, you know, Corbett and King, or you know, it's all about feeling. You know, restaurants are an extension. They are like a brand in a way. They're an extension of who you are, aren't they? And where you're comfortable. They are, but we didn't. You know, certainly our generation, yes. we're roughly the same age, didn't grow up. If you grew up in Britain, which you mm. didn't, with restaurants as your culture, I mean, they were special occasion places. Yes, yeah. Well, I, I was the same. You know, it was something you did for a birthday, or you'd have, yeah, maybe a takeaway on a Friday night. But eating out wasn't a thing. But I think it's probably what, you know, I'm sure those great old restaurants in London, those smart ones, years ago had regulars. And I think in a restaurant, you want to feel special. I love being recognised. Yes, know? absolutely. There's nothing nicer than going to a absolutely. place and being recognised. And you feel like a million dollars if Everybody's I go... Everybody's dream is my oh, usual, please. If I whatever. go to the River Cafe and I'm recognised, yeah. it's like, wow, yeah. I feel fantastic. <laughs> I, and it's, belong. I belong. I belong and it's really, yeah, and it is. It's that lovely part of belonging to a community. But spooling yeah. right back to the beginning, you said something interesting a few minutes ago, which was that you didn't grow up in a family that appreciated food. No, not at all. No, food wasn't that thing. My father had um, businesses. He had, um, and my grandfather did as well, uh, chains of butcher shops. 
So that idea of multiple shops um, was something I grew up with. Yes. And you know, I used to work, help my dad sign in those days, fill out all these checks. So on a Friday, I used to go in Friday afternoon, it was his payment day, write all the checks, get him to sign them, of course. Right, okay. And um, help him do that. So I grew up very much. But there wasn't in a, a kind of house. particular tradition of cooking at home and. No, not at all. My mother was part of a generation that really rejected cooking at home and just, it was something you had to do, it was a chore. Mm. And she worked as well. So, or as I got older, she worked a lot. So it wasn't like I grew up with dinner on the table every night. And now there's nothing that you would rather do than cook at home. No, I think it's a really important thing cooking at home and creating for a family. I think it's a really important thing creating a culture around food because it's where you sit down and eat together and you share something, you know, whether it's once a week with a Sunday, you know, Sunday roast or it's every night or we always have breakfast together, you know, the girls So what what do you, so it's the social interaction. Social interaction around food is really important, really, really important. And and you've I know that your girls are, or I believe your girls are very, very keen on cooking. Yeah, they're good. They all have different attitudes to it. You know, one loves just making sweet things or she likes to eat sweet things. So therefore she'll cook, but never, will never make herself lunch on a Saturday or something. We don't organise something for her and she's old enough to do it, but we'll just happily, yeah, have whatever. Um, One will replate everything I do um, and, right, okay. and make it her own. She said, oh, this is good, but I'll just add a bit of this and that and replate it. And one of them is just quite relaxed and but will get anything done. Have yeah. you got any um, particular interest in trying to teach the next generation to cook? I mean, are you, you know, are you, is that something you're... I think everyone's or? so different. I think if you're interested, you'll find out. It's so easy now. It's so accessible how to cook. And I think with supermarkets and being able to get decent healthy food pretty easily. I mean, I'm lucky at home because I cook, because I can cook quickly. I cook in quite an elaborate way. Right. Most nights, just because I'm fast and good at, you know, really beyond the... You know how to do the proper chopping and all that I'm stuff. I'm fast, I, I don't get yeah. stressed and I find it quite relaxing actually. But yeah. for most people, I know my, you know, Natalie, my wife won't, um, she cooks very simply because she's quite nervous and she's not doing it all the time. And I think everyone has to find their own rhythm with it. Yes. And some people just don't like cooking. They just don't care. And, you know, it might just be, yeah, doing something simple. But I think being able to cook... It's in many ways, I think it's the... Certainly in, in, in our world, it's the, it's the simplest creative pastime that oh, there is, really. Absolutely. And you can make something... Because it has to be kind of done by someone every day. It does. And it is, you know, and it's challenging. Cooking every day, you know, two meals a day or one meal a day is challenging. It's something to do, especially after we're all working hard and the end of the day and it's just like oh and you've got to go home at six and what do I put on the table yes and you certainly are working hard I mean you you um I want to talk a bit about your business relationship with Natalie your wife in, mm. in a moment but you said earlier that you trusted people abroad but yes. I know that you do an enormous amount of traveling yes I mean you have to build relationships but how does that how does that pan out because that is hard mm. I think Hard, it's hard work. We try to do it in holidays. A lot of it we time in holidays with the school holidays so we can do it our kids around us. Um, this week I'm about to go off, but I'm taking the kids on one leg, then I'll fly to Osaka on the, on the way back and kids send the kids back separately. Right. So we just try to manage it best we have, and then we have great people that work with us. That, um, sure, but I mean, you're, but you are, you know, going to see mm. every restaurant. I love travelling. More travelling. than once a year. You oh, yeah. do, do you? You're oh, not I tired just love of it. it. No, I love it. Sometimes I get tired of it. Sometimes I miss the, you know, when you get home and you just want to get back into that routine. Because one, often when you're not, when you're travelling, you know, you lose that routine of going to the gym, eating really well. 
but all of that. But I like the I like change. I, I now think, travel, you know, all the time yeah. within Britain. But I but airplane travel, I just I think I've reached my limit with limit. It. No, I, I really love do. it. No, I, I love hopping on a plane. I think there's nothing nicer. I don't even mind airport food or airplane food. Okay, <laughs> as long okay. as someone else is cooking, I don't mind. <laughs> so so that's not something that's a challenge or that you know you can see. No, sort of... I'm quite good at jet lag. I love. I get so inspired by the places I've got to go. They're all fantastic. And that's why I've been very careful to only do restaurants in places I love. Mm. Because every time I go to, well, you know, I'm based here now. So every time I'm in Australia, I'm excited. Every time I'm in Japan, I'm excited. Every time I'm in Seoul, I'm excited. Every time I'm in Hawaii, I'm excited. So those trips are never a How do a you chore. buy yourself the time to be excited? Because it strikes me that, that, you know, one of the things that most easily goes when you're running mm. what is a true global empire is that you're seriously busy and it's quite hard to sort of say, right, today I'm going to take some time to go and look at this or, you know, experience that. Mm, How do I, you do that? I think keeping your, and you're rightly, you know, you're correct in saying that, when you're a creative leader of a business, it's really important you keep your inspiration and creativity. And I think there's always times in any business where you've, you can be overwhelmed by the business side of things at the expense of the creativity. And when I've done that, the business has suffered. I've realised I've got to be, give myself enough time to be inspired. You know, whether it's having a couple of extra days in Japan to go and look at new things, to always tour around, seeing what other people are doing, um, whether it's having time during the week to go for a walk to an art gallery. I give myself that time to keep myself excited. My job is to inspire everyone in the business, mm. to keep them happy and, yeah, and it's not easy. It's that balance. And I think the business is big enough now that it gives me, I can have people to do the things I don't like doing. Yes, really. Yeah, yes. and that's. I think really you also helped. have to. I think it, it, it's it's a real art to be brave enough to do that as mm. well. I don't just mean from the point of view of ceding authority, but also saying to people, "I actually can't do this." No, you need time, and yeah. you do need time. And I think if you're not creative, and it's often people when they go on holiday, I think they get inspired again. They start thinking and looking at things. And I think, you know, regular breaks, you know, having a lot of discipline about when I work and. How I work is very, very important. Yes. Otherwise, you'd just be overwhelmed and you couldn't get excited about opening another restaurant. One of the things that fascinates me in, and, and is a recurrent theme in these conversations is working with friends or your other mm. half. And, and you work with your wife, Natalie. Yes. Um, so what, how do you split up the roles there? Natalie, so Natalie joined the business when Edie, our eldest daughter, was born just by... Chance because she loves she couldn't and get she's her nose 17 out of it. now. She's 17 now, yeah. so yeah, probably 17 years she's worked in the business, you know, and it's nearly 25 years old. And Natalie's background was film producing, so she's very, and I think the best analogy of the way we work is that she works like a producer and I work like a director. So I really manage the creative, she helps support me to make my creative vision happen. There's a bit of a mix up because I tend to be much uh, more interested in the accounting side of things right than her she's very much a creative producer and she loves she's inspired by creative work okay and that's how we tend to support each other we do very different things in the business sometimes we cross over it, we do quite different things i mean it, i find this fascinating because I, caroline and i have been working together mm. for pr pretty much that amount of time as well i mean it can be sodding hard sometimes can't it? it can be yes absolutely because the hardest thing is it never leaves you work you know, that it's always there, it's, you know, it's in the home, the work. Mm. And that's great, because you can take it on holidays with you when you want to get inspired, but it's hard. And I think anyone that works in it, uh, works together, it's always problems, but there's always problems in any close business relationship, I think. I, I think that's right, but I think it is a peculiar mm. one working with your 
husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is. I yeah. mean, I, I don't think it's, it, I don't personally think it's, I think it's taken Caroline and I, and I've said this a few times yeah. before in these podcast talks, it took us quite a long time because I think I was, I, I, you know, she was more part-time than I was. And yes. So I thought that I was kind of in charge. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it, it's, although she's, you know, unquestionably my sort of best friend and the person whose opinion I respect mostly, I think it is, it is nonetheless quite difficult to find that levelness in work as well as in play. Is that, I mean, it Absolutely. works for you, does it? It, it, works, it works really well with us, for us. Um, it doesn't always work well, and we're constantly trying to reassess what you need to do because you've got to be much more careful of the relationship. I think in a regular business relationship, you're working closely with someone. You get a break for start, so at you know, 5, 6 o'clock, you close the door, you don't see them. Um, where you don't leave that when you're living with the person you're working with. And it's a matter of constantly reassessing it and working it out and talking what's not right because it does cause problems. Not problems, but. No, no, you I mean, I'm not asking ten- you to reveal the yeah, darkness no, but it carries your marriage. Ten- but I, I think, think it carries you know- tension from work into your home life, which can be hard. Yes. You, don't, you don't get a release from it. And that's hard. That's what you've got to be careful. Yes. One of your principal skills, mm. I think or am I right, is, is that you like people. Yes. So yeah. when I've watched you at work, I suspect I get the sense that you're never happier than when you're going around and talking to guests and customers. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it. So how do you pull yourself away from that? How do I pull myself away from it? I just have to, I mean, I'd be really happy doing that. But I, I realised that I couldn't do everything, I think, when I had the two restaurants and what I could do. And that's the hard challenge, I think, is as you grow, working out what you're good at, how you ran something in the past and being very hands-on was the way I used to run it. I think when you've got one restaurant, you can do it by being being very hands-on and then it's learning how you can run it by getting other people to do that. So I talk a lot, you know, I do a lot of talking to the team. I make sure the people we've got are friendly and warm. Yes. We're getting getting those people. Yeah, finding people who are are moulded in your image. Yeah, basically, and share the, you know, it's hospitality. You've got to like people. I mean, you really, really do. It's amazing how many people you do get that, don't like people. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. It's, yeah. it's really quite just, weird. Uh, yeah, who don't want to be in service. Shopkeepers who don't want people in their shop. Shop, yeah, because they see it as their personal expression and it's not. You know, I, I'm creating a blank space for people to bring their... Um, there's quite a particular thing. You've got to create an environment that people come and bring the life to it. A restaurant's personality is only about the customers. What, what, what strikes me... So I've, I've mentioned a couple of times, I think, um, the, these enormous queues that mm. you have outside a couple of your restaurants... Do you, do you truly know where the kind of word of mouth vibe comes from? I mean, we're sitting below the one in Chelsea now. And yeah. I've come on a Saturday and you've only been open for, what, a couple of months? Yeah. And there's already a mammoth queue outside. Do you know where that comes from? Do you no, track it? No, I don't. I'm not very good at social media. I've got an Instagram account and that's it. And I'm not very good at updating it. Sometimes I get inspired and do it. But <laughs> I look at what other people are doing. But I don't really know. I try and, I mean, it's definitely harder for restaurants in this social media age because what you're doing, and I'm, you know, if food doesn't look right, you see it. If someone takes a photo of their dish and it's not right, I'm like, <gasps> I send it straight away to the chef. This doesn't look right. Why is that? Um, but people are much more, I think the customer's much more powerful now with what they're saying. And they're much more confident of making their own choice. I think years ago, they'd be listening to a restaurant reviewer and trusting what they said. I think now people are much more confident in their so own So do you decision. think there are also, to an extent, some of your customers are coming in order to take photographs in order to have been here? 
Maybe I think there's a little I mean, bit of that. I mean, there must be a lot of that in social yeah, media. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think don't in know. social media, I think, you know, I always, even when I design the restaurants now, I always think about the tables and the type of plates yes. we're using, the colours of the plates, because I know they're going to be shot. And I'm quite comfortable doing that because of years of working in food publishing. I mean, a I lot of it. restaurants are completely redesigning their tableware, aren't they? Their plates to make sure that yeah. they're very readily identified. Yeah, I think a time of all white plates is definitely... It's gone. Gone. You know, when I first started yeah. in the early 90s, it was just about all white plates and, you know, very stripped back and simple, which I still love. But but nonetheless, I mean, yeah, clearly people are doing this and they're doing it in, in all sorts of restaurants. But it does seem that there's a, a real clamour for the Granger restaurants. And it must just, you must sometimes just, I mean, A, you must think, God, I'm really doing yeah. well and this is amazing and, and I'm very lucky and all the rest of it. But you must sometimes think, where do all these people come from or don't you? Yeah, no, I don't think of it. All I think about is each restaurant is like it's my first. I think about creating something. I get offered things all the time, and it seems like a lot, but the amount I turn down is huge. And I've always got to. Do you get what you get approached by other by partners? Different, yeah, partners yeah. in different countries, or but it's, they're all siblings because what we do in the menu yes. is really similar. But uh, so, do you think you'll carry on expanding, Bill? I think yes. I can't imagine there's ever going to be a point where I'm not going to want to have something to say, which is sort of what you do if you don't grow. You've and you don't to... have any sense of your own, clearly you don't have any sense of your own energy running down. I think the people I work with, I love. So, you know, from the graphic design, from internally my, you know, the guys who are running the operations, the designers, everyone I work with I see is a, it's a relationship and a friend. Mm. And it keeps everyone excited. As you're doing things, it keeps everyone excited as well. I think that's the hard thing in business. It's hard to stay still and not do anything because you get a bit stale. And so for me, my, you know, this, not the struggle, but the thing is to work out how we keep it great, great. And like one restaurant when you've got multiple. And that's what I'm always interested in. Yes. You know, how do we, what do we do to keep the quality? Who do we get? How do we do? No, I mean, I can, I, you know, skills. what's amazing to me is that I can, you know, I'm sure that people listening to this can hear it. I can just see you fizzing with enthusiasm. Yeah, you know, it's great. I get excited. Like, you know, Osaka you know, is opening. Yeah, I can't wait. Osaka, you know, it's our 18th restaurant is opening in three weeks. You're excited despite the fact you know, presumably, the last week is going to be a nightmare, presumably. Oh, yeah, it always is. I yeah, mean, you know, it's any always. building project. No, I mean, I'm, I'm although, not... having said that in Japan, I always laugh that, you know, three months ago, they put a sign on the front of the thing, opening November the 3rd. And I laughed, I had to take a photo because <laughs> only in Japan could they put a sign up on the front of the thing saying opening November the 3rd. Normally yes. it's like opening spring. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, thank you very much indeed for joining me. That was a great conversation. Thank you so much to Bill, who was rushing around as ever, for giving me the time. And thanks to his team for arranging the interview. Thank you very much as ever to you for joining me and thanks to my friend Jim Friend for editing this. 